0: Just like today, a lot of people don't believe what God has written. They believe what that guy tells them and what this lady tells them, and they believe what they have experienced. They don't believe what God has written. And so I'm glad that we have a Bible. It doesn't change, and it gives us the truth. Open your Bible, please, to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter number 12. For our study tonight, we're continuing on the subject of tongues the reason we're doing that is we're working our way through this subject of spiritual gifts and back in the new testament time there really was a, a gift of uh, of tongues and we see that clearly in the scriptures so uh, before we begin let's pray our father once again we ask that you would please Help us to understand. Uh, Maybe help us to put away some preconceived notion or idea. Maybe something we heard someone say on the internet or read something. Lord, we would look at Your Word because Your Word is truth. It doesn't change. So help us, lead us by the truth. Holy Spirit of God pray you'd make our hearts burn within us over the truth, like a fire shut up in our bones. May we love your book, may we love truth, and forever seek to know what you have to say on a matter. So bless us now, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Folks watching at home, if you haven't done so already, would you please write in and let me know how many of you there are watching. And uh, let me know also when your spiritual birthday is. Today is my spiritual birthday, uh, forty-seven years ago. Today, this morning, in fact, this morning. That's right, because three-hour difference. Be noon time in in uh, Eastern uh, Ontario. Um, the church at Corinth um, was a large church. It was quite a mixed church of saved and unsaved, and it was. A real mess. Um, They messed up most everything you could mess up. And one thing that they messed up was this thing about tongues. And the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapters 12, 13, and 14 to help straighten out the problem. And so in chapter 12, he begins now concerning spiritual gifts. Brethren, I would not have you ignorant. Now that's very important, folks, for each and every one of us, that we not go on in any kind of ignorance about spiritual gifts or about any biblical truth. Uh, There are so many people today that are living in ignorance of how to be saved. There are so many people today living in ignorance about what salvation is and what it entails and how that God forgave all of our sin. Uh, 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on the cross, all of our sin was in the future. Uh, The sins we've committed up till today, and should we have another day, another 10 years, any sin, it's all been paid for by the blood of the Lamb. We have to understand what a marvelous, wonderful gift. We cannot afford to live in ignorance. So here the context is about tongues, and it's interesting how he begins in verse 2. Ye know that ye were Gentiles carried away under these dumb idols. The idea of dumb means voiceless. Um, Even as ye were led. And really they were, they were deceived to do and say some pretty wild things. The church at Corinth was uh, pretty messed up. There was a lot of ecstatic babbling that was happening in pagan temples around that first century. And in the city of Corinth was the temple of um, Aphrodite. And they had priestesses that would uh, commit like temple prostitution sort of. And it all had to to uh, go down to the idea of fertility. So uh, fertility gods have been worshipped for thousands of years. Uh, the Canaanites sure worshipped their fertility gods. And a lot of people believed in them. In fact, sad to say, but... A number of the uh, uh, Israeli Jews in the Old Testament held firmly to these fertility gods. They were convinced that if they made prayers and made sacrifice to these fertility gods, they would have healthy children. They would have strong crops in the field. They'd have good, strong animals to be able to plow the crops and so on. And they were convinced of that. You see, what they should have done is believed God's Word. They had God's Word. They had the Bible. Uh, The Old Testament uh, books of Moses, they had that in print. But just like today, a lot of people don't believe what God has written. They believe what that guy tells them and what this lady tells them and they believe what they have experienced. They don't believe what God has written. And so I'm glad that we have a Bible. It doesn't change and it gives us the truth. Uh, I mentioned a week ago, or two weeks ago, that this ecstatic babble was common in uh, religions down through the years, for thousands of years. There's been ecstatic babble, uh, the gibberish that uh, was known as tongues to some of the people in uh, Paul's day. It was hard to tell the difference. The devil seems to always have his counterfeits, isn't that right? Uh, that God comes out with uh, the truth and the devil brings in the counterfeit. You know, God told uh, Adam, and Adam would have told Eve, in the day that thou, shalt, that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Well, that's what God had to say. The devil came in the form of the serpent and said, ah, you won't die. Thou shalt not die, he said. So he, he denied it. First he cast doubt on the Word of God and then he outright denied it. That's what the devil keeps doing. And that's sad. Uh, Eusebius of Caesarea was uh, a Christian man. He was born around 260, 265. He died somewhere around 339 A.D. It gives you the idea of when he lived. And here's what he wrote. He said, in a certain village in that part of Mysia over against Phrygia, uh, Montanus, they say, first exposed himself to the assaults of the adversary through his unbounded lust for leadership. Now, Montanus was a, was a cult leader. <clears throat> he was wrong on his doctrine of salvation. As soon as a man goes wrong on the doctrine of salvation, he's going to be wrong on other things because the, the proper doctrine of sal- salvation is foundational. Um, listen there are a few things that you know we can have differences of opinion on but we cannot differ on the doctrine of salvation you know do we get saved by faith do we get saved by works do we get saved by a combination of faith and works do we get saved by playing hopscotch how do we get saved how is the sin issue dealt with how do we get to heaven so it's foundational that we understand we stand on this same ground that it's by grace through faith. It's God's grace and it's our faith in that. So this fellow Montanus, he lusted for leadership. He was one of the recent converts and he became possessed of a spirit and suddenly began to rave in a kind of ecstatic trance and to babble in a jargon prophesying in a manner contrary to the custom of the church which had been handed down by tradition from the earliest times. And so There you go. There's another example right there of of, um, Eusebius citing a case of Montanus and ecstatic Babel. Um, Verses 1 to 3, essentially Paul is separating the real Christians from the imitation Christians. And then in verses 4, 5, and 6, he talks about real gifts given to real Christians. We're going to be looking into that tonight what these gifts are, and we're going to continue also in our study with tongues. There's lots to learn, isn't there? It's more than just one sermon can hold. There's a lot of truth here. Um, the, the bottom line effect that the ecstatic babble had uh, on the church of Corinth was it was destroying their unity. It's very important that a church is unified. And the devil is going to do anything he can to destroy that unity. You know, it's sad, but over the last couple of years of COVID, um, a lot of churches have suffered a break in their unity. It seems the devil got very creative with this COVID and threw the COVID at the world. And uh, Christians started to you know, listen to um, really phony reports and conspiracy theories And it caused dissension in so many churches. I know that our church, we've lost people because of COVID. People who uh, have a a different opinion about what it's all about. And uh, so they left. And uh, we're not alone. A lot of churches have lost people. And some have lost a lot of people. It's caused mayhem. So that's sad, isn't it? Um, the Lord's will is for the church to stand unified. Um, The ground at the foot of the cross is all level and equal. And we stand upon the shed blood of Christ for our sins. We have to reach out to a lost and dying world. And the devil is trying to destroy the unity by bringing divisive issues. COVID, uh, it's, it's a divisive issue, folks. And I think we all have seen that now. Uh, there's other divisive issues in the world. But here, the divisive issue that Paul was dealing with was this thing about tongues. Now tongues was a real gift. And it was given to select people in the New Testament. Now there are things that we have definitely learned in verse 7, and I want you to look at it now. It says, but the manifestation of the Spirit, those are the spiritual gifts, is given to every Man, every Christian man. So every Christian has at least one spiritual gift. And here's why to profit with all. So the idea is for all of the people in the church to have uh, some kind of profit. And uh, it's not given for personal edification, which tends to be how tongues are spoken of and used or attempted to be used today. And I do not believe that the tongues of today is anything like the tongues of the New Testament. Their whole reason for doing it is totally different and uh, does not have a biblical base. Um, Tongues were never meant to edify the tongue speaker. They were meant as a service to other people. And we will get into that. We'll show you what that is. Now, Something to understand is that uh, in the New Testament times, the Bible was not finished. They did not have the benefit of the complete Word of God. They couldn't turn to, you know, the book of Ephesians or the book of Revelation uh, or even one of the Gospels. Uh, the the church basically started uh, its big birthday on the day of Pentecost. Started out, they had the Old Testament, the 39 books of the Old Testament. And so what God did was he added a few extra spiritual gifts to help supplement the church until such times as the Word of God could be finished and completed. And we'll show you all this. It uh, won't we all be tonight. There's too much. But over the next week and maybe another week after that, and we'll show you these things and we'll show you the Scriptures. But it's important to understand that there's two types, what we would call permanent and what we would call temporal. Now, if you would look, please, at verse 8. Paul begins here a listing here for us the, the gifts. He says, For to one is given by the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, the word of wisdom. So you may want to underline that word wisdom there. To another, the word of knowledge. You can underline that one. So far, we're up to two, aren't we? And it's by the same spirit. Verse 9, to another faith. Underline that one. So now we're up to three. Um, These these gifts, again, remember, were given so that the New Testament church was was able to minister to itself. Uh, It did not have the whole Bible, so it needed certain spiritual gifts to help um, supplement until the Bible, the whole canon of Scripture, could be established. So some of these spiritual gifts were for that purpose. They needed encouragement. You know, our children, as they grow up, uh, sometimes they need a little extra help. Sometimes they need a special tutor in math, or perhaps in English. Maybe they need uh, uh, some extra um, coaching uh, out on the uh, baseball field or something like that. Uh, maybe they need um, 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 like a speech coach to help them speak and enunciate. Uh, they may need some extra uh, supplementary help until they they grow up and away they go. And the church was in the process of growing up. There's this change that happens in the New Testament. From Judaism to Christianity. Now proper Judaism, understand, we're talking about the religious system, but the people in it were supposed to be saved all the same way. Like Abraham was saved, like you and I are saved. Salvation doesn't change through the years. People were not saved by keeping the Old Testament law. They were saved by faith in the Old Testament. But God said, I want you to keep this law. And it was in the context of what we call Judaism, the Judaic law, or the Mosaic law, we sometimes call it. Well, that's all that the saved people knew. Listen, if we were living in Old Testament times and we got saved, we'd, we'd be law keepers. We'd be involved with making sacrifices and things. We'd be involved with the celebrations and the feasts. We'd be involved with getting the leaven out you know, at Passover. We'd be involved with all of that stuff. But uh, we weren't born back then. We were born in this dispensation here. And so when the church came along, now the Christians, just another name for saved people, believers, you know, in the Messiah, in Jesus Christ, we're not under law now, we're under grace. And we've been given the Holy Spirit within us, and with the Holy Spirit, He gives us gifts as He sees fit. Um, so we have verses 8 to 10, and we have these, uh, these gifts given. So remember, please, some of these are temporal and some of these are permanent. Um, I suppose we should probably say this once again. The church belongs to Jesus. The church belongs to Jesus. That's in Ephesians 1, verses 22 to 23. Secondly, Jesus died for the church. He died for His church. Ephesians 5.25 Number three, Jesus promised to build His church. That's in Matthew 16, verse 18. When you go to prayer and you ask the Lord, please build our church. Make our church grow with good-hearted people. Bring them in, Lord. Uh, be they saved or unsaved, we'll lead them to you. We'll get them, help get them saved. But build the church. You can pray by faith on Jesus' words. I will build my church. Lord Jesus, you said you would do it. Please do it. Please make the church grow. So that that is a promise of Jesus. He would build it. Uh, 1 Corinthians 12.7, we just read it. He gives spiritual gifts to the Christians within the church to help build the church. And some of the gifts were temporal, Others were permanent, and we have those permanent ones today. I think I may mention to you that usually when they build up a building, when they put up a building, they have scaffolding, and they have different things that help. Like um, I think this building here, I think, was built with this uh, uh, system where they, they make the wall, and then they stand it up. And then they have to put these braces on it to keep it you know, plumb and, and parallel and everything. Uh, And level. And until it's hard, they get the other walls on, then they don't need the braces anymore, and they take the braces off. That's what the temporary gifts were like. They were to help the church to get it established. We don't need those temporary gifts at all. So, um, some of the temporal spiritual gifts were given in order to reach the Jews. With the gospel. Remember 1 Corinthians one twenty-two, Paul said that the Jews require a sign. And tongues was that sign gift. Or at least one of them. Signs were things that pointed to God. Signs were things that authenticated the message to be true. How do we know this message is true? There was a sign given. Now one that we all know. A sign that we all know. And we, we rehearse it Every Christmas. You know, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. Right? And this shall be a sign unto you. What is the sign? Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. That was the sign given to the shepherds. That's how they knew that this was of God. So the Jews require a sign. Tongues were that sign gift. And we'll show you that. Um, If you would take your Bible and turn to chapter number 14. Remember chapters 12, 13, and 14 are all dealing with the tongues problem. And in chapter 14, verse 22, it says, Wherefore tongues are for a sign. Now if you go back a verse um, you will see we've got an Old Testament illustration of of this. Verse 21. In the law it is written now this is uh, going back to the book of Isaiah uh, chapter 28. In the law it is written with men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people. Pause there for a minute. God was going to judge his people Israel for all of their sin. Isaiah was a a great prophet preaching against the sins of the Israeli people in his day, as was Jeremiah and Ezekiel and so on, those great men of God. Through the prophet Isaiah, God said, I am going to judge you for your sin, and this is a sign, this is how you will know that I am going to judge you. Now I'm paraphrasing it, but basically, when you hear men speaking a language you don't know, you can bet on it. That judgment is knocking on your door. And uh, that's exactly what happened. The Babylonians came, and they sp- spoke Babylonian, a language that was foreign to the, the Jews. They didn't understand it. It was like tongues to them. It was a, a gibberish, a babble in their ears. Interesting. Babylon, babel. Hmm? That's actually where the root of the word comes from, from the Tower of Babel, <clears throat> when God made the distinction in all of the languages. Because to people's ears, they would hear this yada, 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 yada. What are you talking about? And yet those people understood it. Right? Same today. We hear people talking a language we don't understand, and we say, I don't know. I don't know what they're talking about. Well, sometimes people can be talking English, and we still don't know what they're talking about. That can happen too, but the Jews back in isaiah 's day heard they heard this to them ecstatic babbling this language that they didn 't understand, and of course, judgment fell shortly after that. Babylon came in and destroyed and carted them off the deportation <clears throat> to uh, to babylon so that 's what we have here in verse twenty one uh, With men of other tongues and other lips will I speak unto this people, and yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues, that's that New Testament gift of tongues, are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. It was a sign to the Jews. The first thrust of the gospel back in the early days of the New Testament was all to the Jews. They were going for the Jews, Jews trying to reach other Jews with the gospel. And the gift of tongues was prevalent. The church at Corinth was right next door to the Jewish synagogue in Corinth. And uh, there was a lot of Jews in Corinth, a lot. And so tongues was very prevalent then. Well, um, let's see here. Um, where we leave off? Chapter 12 and verse number 8. Okay, let's look at this again, shall we? So we have the word of wisdom. We have the word of knowledge. Now, these things here, uh, uh, wisdom and knowledge in verse 8, the New Testament church needed these gifts because they didn't have All of the writings of the New Testament. The 27 books of the New Testament. That's what we we base most of our our lives and doctrine on, folks. Now, hear me. We still need the Old Testament. We really do. It's God's Word and it, it verifies and teaches and so on. But, wow, to have the New Testament books. Boy, we would be in a mess if it weren't for the New Testament books. We use them all the time in order to stay right with God on on our our doctrine and our belief. But they didn't have it in the New Testament. So what God did was He supplemented. These two gifts here, wisdom and knowledge, were temporal gifts. We don't need them today because we have the full Word of God. We can go to chapter and verse. They couldn't. They didn't have it back then. And then... um, The next one here in verse 9 is faith. Faith. Now I'd like to suggest to you that that is a permanent gift. And the idea it means extra faith to trust and follow God. And we've got examples of that down through the last 2,000 years and even amongst uh, Christians today. We find both men and women that just seem to have an extra measure of faith to do something great for God. And so We have the gift of faith. Now, look at the next one. That's very interesting. Verse 9. To another, the gifts of healing. Notice it does not say the gift, singular, of healing. It's the gifts, plural, of healing. Each healing was an individual gift. Now, take Paul for example. Paul definitely would heal people from time to time. But, if you know anything about the life of Paul, there were people he could not heal. Trophimus was one. He couldn't heal. Timothy was another one. He couldn't heal. Even himself. Uh, scholars figure he was half blind and he couldn't heal himself. So there were times he could heal and times he could not heal because it wasn't the gift of healing. It wasn't a carte blanche gift that he was given that he could use at his own discretion. It were individual healing. And that's what that is there. It's very interesting that it's plural, individual healings. The next one is um, verse number 10. To another, the working of miracles. You know, turning water into wine was a miracle, wasn't it? Well, it was one miracle. There were miracles that Jesus did that others didn't do, but some of them had the gift here of being able to do Miracles. Um, the next one, prophecy. Prophecy, essentially, there's two, two sides to prophecy. Uh, there's the prophecy of foretelling the future, and then there's the prophecy um, of expounding what we already know, like preaching, that sort of thing. But in this context, it's speaking more of the future things, because anyone can expound what we already have but to foretell future things. That's one reason why we know that the charismatics on TV and the internet, like uh, Kenneth Copeland, Benny Hannel, who claim, you know, boy, they they can see the future. We know they're bankrupt. None of them saw COVID coming. None of them. None of them said, well, you know, two years from now, uh, you know what, a year from now, you know what, six months from now, none of them took the whole world by surprise. So we know that they're bankrupt. We know that. Even the greatest of them. Now afterwards, there, some of them are trying to recreate history and said, oh, well, actually I knew in advance. But, you know, I tried to tell people, no, baloney. Now they're adding lies and insult to injury. They didn't know. And so uh, there, there was a gift of prophecy. And we can see that in the New Testament. Agabus was a prophet. And he uh, made certain prophecies. Now the next one here, where are we here? Verse number seven, the discerning of spirits. The discerning of spirits. Now, again, discerning of spirits is that idea of to determine uh, lies and evil. The Bible hadn't fully been given. And Satan was trying to duplicate and imitate and lead people astray in lies. Uh, So we have the scriptures. We don't have to be led astray in lies. You know, someone says to us, well, we need to do this. Well, if we go to the scriptures and find out. Tongues, is, Modern tongues is one of those things. We don't have to uh, you know, ask, oh God, what, what's going on here? He's written. He's given us the answer. We just have to get in there and dig it and we'll find the answer. So there's the discerning of spirits. Now look at the next one here. Uh, to another, diverse kinds of tongues. There's the gift of tongues. But you see, it was only given to some. Like to one, he gave this. To another, he gave this. To this one, he gave tongues. It was only given to select ones. Today, everyone is, uh, amongst the Charismatics and, and Pentecostals, the general belief is when you get saved, you need to get the Holy Spirit. You need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit so you can start speaking in tongues because it's for everyone, they say. It's not. It never was. In the New Testament, not everyone spoke in tongues. You know, you will read the Gospels till the day you die, and you will never read that Jesus spoke in tongues. Did you know that? John the Baptist was the greatest of, of people born of, of, of a woman. It was John the Baptist. He never spoke in tongues. Interesting, isn't it? There are many in the Bible that never spoke in tongues. Well, anyhow, the diverse kinds when it says kinds, it's the Greek word genos. Genos, from which we, uh, uh, we understand like family, kin, kinfolk, family, generations. That's in fact the word where we get you know g- generations, the generations of Jesus or something. It's from genos. The tongues here are human languages. That's another nail in the coffin on today's modern tongues because a lot of them say, boy, it's the... You know, the the tongues uh, of angels, uh, I speak in angels. Well, Paul said that once in a hypothetical situation. And he gave several other hypothetical situations. The tongues that were spoken 2,000 years ago, the real gift of tongues were known languages. Listen, why do you think Pentecostal missionaries all have to go to language school when they go to another country? Why don't they just use their gift of tongues and bypass language school and go to these foreign countries and speak you know, to those, those people in their languages? Why don't they do that? Because they can't. That's why. If they could, they would. I mean, who wouldn't? Wouldn't that be a great thing? Huh? For our missionaries. Uh, we just heard from Brother Coates. He's going to language school to learn French. Well, wouldn't it be great if he could get some kind of gift and then just start speaking um, Quebecois, French. You know there's a difference in how people speak French around the world, right? Parisian, French, Quebecois, French. And sometimes it's difficult for these people to understand each other. Well, as I, I mentioned earlier, sometimes it's hard for us to understand some English speakers. They use certain accents, heavy accents, and we have to look and say, uh, say that again? What do you mean? What is that? So, no, it would be great, but it's, it's not New Testament tongues. It's not. Now, also, if you look uh, in, at the end of verse 10, it says, to another the interpretation of tongues. Okay? Now, if you go down to verse 28, you'll find a few more. Um, and God hath set some in the church. First, apostles. Well, I can tell you something. There's no more apostles. There are people today who call themselves apostles, but there's no more apostles. There were only a certain number of them, and they're all gone. And secondarily, prophets. That's another gift. Um, Office, we'll say. Like apostle was an office. Prophets were an office. There's no more. You say, how do you know that? The Bible tells us that. Keep your finger in First Corinthians. Turn to the right. Go over to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse... Uh, let's see. Well, we'll go back to verse 19. Ephesians two nineteen. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Now watch verse 20. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. Apostles and prophets laid the foundation for the church. Christ is the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone was that all-important stone that the builders used back then, and it was very square, and they would put it in a corner, and they would shoot their angles off of that. That's how they got perfect Um, 90 degrees and so on, is with the cornerstone. If you didn't have a a proper cornerstone or if you didn't have any cornerstone, you can have a wonky looking building. The, The builders all knew this. And they used the cornerstone and they would shoot their angles and so on. And they had a wonderful, if you've seen pictures of some of the buildings that they built back then, some of them are still standing today. But the foundation here is the apostles and prophets. How many times do you lay a foundation in a building? Three times? Do you get multiple layers of foundations? Typically, you only lay the foundation once. Make a good foundation, mind you, but you lay the foundation once. and Then you put up your walls and so on. You don't keep laying foundation after foundation after foundation. There are no more apostles. There are no more prophets. That was temporary. Well, let's go back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter number 12. We're running out of time, which I knew we would. So we're just going to finish off this, uh, a couple of verses here, and then we'll pick up again next next week. But um, let's see, verse 28, apostles, check. (laughs) Prophets, check. All right, thirdly, teachers, teachers. Well, there's still teachers today. There's always been teachers. That's a permanent gift. After that, miracles, that's the same as above. To some, you know, the gift of miracles. Then gifts of healing, there it is again. Another duplication of that. After that, helps. Helps are the ability to help wherever help is needed. Helps is one of those amazing gifts that every local church needs. When the ships were out at sea and they ran into some very stormy waters that threatened to smash those wooden ships, uh, and pull them apart. What the sailors would do is take big heavy ropes and throw them over the, the front of the, the the ship and they would basically tie the ship together, help hold it together. These were called helps. Different, different things like that. The sailors all knew that. Things that would help hold the ship together while at sea. The gift of helps is given to individual uh, Christians and they just seem to to have a desire and a joy and, and an ability to roll up their sleeves and help with this and help with that and help with that over there. They got the gift of helps. That's a permanent gift. And then the next one, where are we here? In verse 28, governments. That's another one. That's sort of like the ability to uh, well, to govern and to um, organize and, and uh, carry things out. And then diversity of tongues as above. Now, so far... Um, from verses 8 to 10 and verse 28, there are 17 gifts listed here. 17. Three of them are repeats. Ten of them are temporal. Four of them are permanent. I'll go through that list with you real fast once more to show you the permanent ones. But if you go back to uh, verse number 9, faith. Maybe you might want to circle it. That's a permanent gift. Go to verse 28. Teachers, that's a permanent gift. Go to verse, uh, well, also verse 28. Helps and governments, those are also permanent gifts. So far, out of 17 gifts, uh, three are are repeats, so that kind of brings us down to 14, really. 14 gifts. Out of 14, 10 of them are temporal Ten of them we don't need. They're no longer with us. We have four gifts. Those are them. Faith, teaching, helps, and governments. Next week, we're going to look at the other two chapters in the Bible that deal with spiritual gifts. Right now, we are trying to list them and point them out what they are. The temporal and the permanent. Trust me, you don't have any temporal gifts. We haven't needed those for 2,000 years but the permanent gifts we do have and we do need. And we're going to learn about that next week, okay? All right, let's go. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.